Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to another episode of Zero Ducks Given. And well, 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 what do you say after that? We are recording this just after England's defeat versus India in the second test. England went into day five as slight favourites, but it all went horribly wrong. 1-0 down, no Stuart Broad, no Ben Stokes, no Joffre Archer, maybe no Mark Wood. The Ashes just months away. It was a very familiar tale of late for the English Test team. The only positive, I suppose, I can say as an England cricket fan is that Test cricket is alive and well. And we will talk about the West Indies' incredible victory over Pakistan as well. And I do like to start with the positives before we perform yet another autopsy on England's batting woes. But I have to say that India were absolutely superb. On day one, they were absolutely incredible. And on day five, they were magnificent as well. An incredible partnership between Shami and Bumrah really took the game away from England. And then they absolutely tore through England's top order. And then Siraj one of the great spells to cap it all off at the end there for India as well. What shall we start on? I mean, let's start on India. Finney, as a, as a fast bowler yourself, you must have admired the way that their, their four pacemen went about it, especially when there was a lot of pressure on them when people were saying that Ashwin should be playing in this test match, but they justified their selection and then some, didn't they? I mean, they're very fortunate to have a group of bowlers who can play in any conditions or, or a bowling attack that can adapt to any conditions. And... Yeah, I think they've been developing that over a number of years now. So to see these guys, the younger guys coming through and being able to replace people like Ashwin, who would be just an automatic pick in the past, regardless of the conditions. The fact that they've got a squad of players now that can just come in and if they see the conditions suit them, then they just play and know they're going to do a good job. It's a great sign for them as a team. So yeah, really impressed with how they've gone about it in the first two test matches. The first test match would have been a great finish had the um, had the rain not come and you probably have India as favourites for that. 
in those circumstances. And then, yeah, for them to come back from the brink in this test match with that partnership between the two bowlers with the bat, which I love to see as a tail ender. Didn't love to see it because it was against England, but whenever a number nine or 10 slogs a few, um, it's like a man after my own heart. And then, and then, yeah, the bowlers have been awesome. So thoroughly deserved win by, by India and, and well hung in there, I'd say. There was genuinely a point where it wasn't just the fact that, you know, they did have a bit of fun towards the end, Shami in particular, but there was a point where for about four or five overs, they middled everything, even if it was going straight at fielders. It wasn't like just blind slogging. They got a bit lucky early on, but there was a point where they were smoking it to all parts. I mean, they really were. Uh, Daniel Norcross, how impressed have you been by those fast bowlers, that, well, the, the batting and the bowling from that quartet? I've been hugely impressed by the bowling. I've got to say that England lost it. They lost their minds. And and I do think that the Bumrah anderson incident, if we can call it that, the 10 ball over, made such a massive difference. Today, they bowled perfectly at the start of the day. They picked up those two wickets, the crucial one of punt. Then they got Ishan Sharma with that wonderful knuckle ball from Robinson. It showed supreme intelligence. Come back to that because there's another white ball skill. You don't often see it in test cricket. Then the moment Bumrah came out, there was a red mist. And, you know, for everything that Joe Root has done for this England team, for everything the England team have done to hang in in this test series, they suddenly lost their minds. When Jasper Bumrah comes out to bat, yes, bring on Mark Wood. Yes, bowl a bouncer at him. But for Christ's sake, aim at his stumps after it. Ball after ball after ball. It was exactly what Bumrah wanted. And they lost it because they were trying to get retribution is what it felt like to me. I turned up on commentary for SEN and I, just after Robinson had taken that wicket at Sharma and I looked at the field to Bumrah, there was a gully. Bear in mind, this ball was about eight overs old. There was a gully and there were a whole bunch of fielders all stationed out on the boundary waiting for him to hit it up in the air. This is Jasprit Bumrah. Before this series, he averaged 2.35. And you know why he did? Because he can't face the fast straight ball. And what did they do? Because Jasprit Bumrah had been banging it in at Anderson, there needed to be some kind of strange, weird, planned retribution, albeit on a slow, flat deck at Lords. And at that point, in that next hour and a half, England lost their minds. It was amazing. And they gave the initiative away to Coley. And then the annoying thing is that for the previous three days, what they had done is, is they'd gone about their business in this wonderfully calm, measured test match approach. Joe Root leading from the front, getting his 180. Those 20s from Moeen Ali and, and Josh Butler, people will never talk about them. They were really important. They got England over and above the Indian score. And then suddenly... They, they, they lost their test match tactic. It allowed Bumrah to get off the hook because the problem is if you bowl those short balls at him and if he, if he does edge it, it can go anywhere. How do you get out, Stuart Broad? We all know. You give him one short ball, he whacks it over deep mid-wicket while his leg flies away to a million times over square leg. Then you bowl the straight one and he can't hit it. That's Jasprit Bumrah. England didn't get that. They didn't get that message. What they wanted to do, it almost felt like they wanted to hurt him, like they wanted retribution. They gave the initiative away. And once they'd given that initiative away, the clouds rolled over. 
and we had that ludicrous pass straight after lunch where Coley was taking time out of the game, which I thought might hurt them, actually. He threw away four overs pointlessly, but it all became needle. And this series had started with all sorts of, you know, backslaps and loveliness and we're going to enjoy ourselves and Trent Bridge was all about everyone getting on with each other. Suddenly became needle. We're not good at needle. You know, our captain and vice captain are Joe Root and Joss Butler. They're not needle kind of guys. They've got they've got Virat Kohli and Mohamed Siraj. We we got sucked into their fight and everything went horribly wrong at that point. It was a little bit weird to watch, to be brutally honest with you. And I'd be fascinated to know what Finney makes of that. Because if you've got Jasper Brummer coming up against you, and bear in mind, I know you bowl back of a length, county bollocks, just outside, top of fourth stump. But when you've got him coming in, are you bowling five bouncers at him? Or are you aiming at his bloody stumps? Oh, it's the combination of the two, isn't it? Because you talk about killing the tail when the tail comes in to try and scare them and then use that as a tactic to take the wickets. But I actually didn't watch that passage of play because I was um, driving back from Nottingham this afternoon so or this morning and this afternoon, so I missed it. But um, from what I've read and what I've seen on the highlights, yeah, I think they could have tried to remain a bit calmer and a bit more logical about the situation and look at it as a problem-solving thing rather than an emotional retribution thing. Yeah, definitely. But killing the tail and and trying to be aggressive to the tail is a very good tactic at taking those wickets but you do have to keep the stumps and the edges in play rather than let it be predictable because I know as a as a lower order batsman that if I know every ball is going to be banged in it gives me a chance to just free my arms and have a slog and the, I mean Boomer did it actually really well to Robinson in that over um, that he got him out where he bowled a few short balls but then tactically he bowled the slower fuller off cutter that spun back and, and got him LBW. I mean, that ball genuinely is the ball that won the Test match, without a doubt. And, it, and, and do you know what it was? It was the triumph of white ball cricket skills in red ball cricket. You know, we live in a culture war at the moment where everyone's going, oh, Test cricket, isn't it the greatest thing? Isn't it better than the 100? And all that kind of stuff. I'm not interested in that. Cricket is cricket. Bumra there bowled one of the great balls. Robinson and Butler just to take you back, they'd batted for over 10 overs. There were about nine overs left in the game. England were almost, almost odds on to draw. That's where they got to. Bumra comes round the wicket. He bowls a slower ball off cutter that pitches on leg stump and gets him. That is exactly a white ball bowl. It was absolutely brilliant. And... We saw it again, actually, with Siraj. I mean, Siraj's last ball to win the Test match was a ball of genius. So, yeah, we can spend ages talking about how England threw it away. But let's also look at the skills of those bowlers. And those skills were not made purely in red ball cricket. They were not James Anderson hitting a length over and over and over again, taking it away a bit, bringing it back in. That Boomerah ball... Honestly, I reckon there could be a six-part documentary written about that. It was absolutely fantastic, and it blew the game open. Completely agree with everything you've you've said so far, Daniel. I thought England, it was so weird. They really did let the occasion and the emotion get the better of them, and they don't really have the bowling attack to do it apart from Mark Wood. This isn't the West Indies' famous fast bowlers. This isn't 
you know, Pat Cummins and Hazelwood and Mitchell Stark down in Australia or when Mitchell Johnson bumped the hell out the England batsmen all those years ago. They've got Ollie Robinson, Sam Curran and James Anderson. Then they, they haven't got the option of just steaming in and bumping these tailenders. They're not that kind of bowlers. And if you ask Brummer what he wanted to face, it was exactly what he faced. Mark Wood aside. So, yeah, I, I thought they got it really wrong. And it was really odd to see the emotion. And, you know, it, it was a feisty test match. But it's test cricket. It's allowed to be feisty. And you can't let it cloud your judgment at the most important period of play in the whole test match. It, it was also one of the great test matches. I it mean, was. let's be clear about this. Yeah, and the needle added it, to the drama in the theatre. Let's not let's not make any mistake totally. about it. I love watching that. I have no problem with it. But the England team need to be better than the fans. They can't get swept up in the emotion of the occasion. They need to think clearly, no matter what's going on around it. And 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 I don't think they did that. I, I agree. In, India won that test match on day one. That's what it looked like. But the extraordinary thing was that Joe Root saved England in the next three days. I mean, his 180 not out, and actually the 33 he got today, they were superb innings, absolutely superb. He does not have any right to be on the losing side after the way that he played. Yeah, England probably played the second, third and fourth days better than India did. Mm, absolutely. And it yeah. all came down to me, it all came down to everybody losing their focus in that crucial hour from like 11.38 to about 12.40. The entire game was lost for England. And they've got to just take a step back and think, wait a minute, we're in a fight. Virat Kohli wants, he wants agitation. That's what gets him going. That's what gets the Indian team going, you know? And England don't need to be in that place. The vice-captain, Joss Butler, yes, on the field, I'm sure he's an extremely annoying and irritating man. But you know, if you're if you're an Indian, it's no fun. But that's not what it, that's not the game that England needs to be playing. England needs to be playing to their strengths and their strengths are guile and understanding their own conditions and bowling to them. And actually, they just kind of lost a lot of focus. I just come back to that field. I've never seen a field to a nine and ten in which you've got a gully and a bunch of outriders on the boundary. It didn't make any sense at all. And except if you see it in the context of them trying to bounce the crap out of Bumrah. Yeah. yeah. And there was no need to do that. I mean, this guy had fewer runs than wickets when he walked out. In his previous 42 innings, he had a higher score of 10 not out. So, I mean, he's a proper bunny and we made him, we made him look like Viv Richards at times. Finney, I want to ask you because... You know, there's some players, I mean, there's the famous, you know, Devon Malcolm against South Africa where they bounced him and hit him and, and he came in and took all those wickets. And uh, my first ever cricket coach when I was 12 years old that Daniel Norcross will know, uh, know well, Monty Lynch, who played many oh. years for Surrey. And then he was my coach. And the oppo used to always say, do not give him any verbals because... He'll get himself out, but if you get him angry, he concentrates and he digs in and he actually is a better player if you piss him off. And look at times, that's what we've done to the Indians today. Are there any players that you have a team huddle about and you guys sit there and go, look, you know, there's no point winding him up or, or a bad experience where you felt like, do you know what, we've actually, we talk a lot about mental disintegration with sledging or aggression or whatever it is, but there are some players where actually afterwards you go, do you know what, we probably played into their hands there. Yeah, I mean, you look at, people like David Warner who want to look for a fight and a battle whilst they're out there on the pitch. Um, they 
you're better off not engaging with them. So you do, it is one of the things that comes up in team meetings about whether it's worth engaging with them or not, especially if they're looking for it. And yeah, people like David Warner are probably one of the people in modern times that you just leave alone. You don't engage with him even yeah, on any level um, and just let him be in his own world because the second he gets fired up and starts sledging you whilst he's batting, that means he's on and he fancies it and he wants to take you down. So yeah, you just try and disengage from those battles and focus on what you're doing and, and take the emotion out of it because when you're emotional and, and your beans are going like that, it does become a lot harder to focus on what you're actually doing. Or I find that anyway, sometimes guys really like getting into a battle or if they're having a bad day, they want to get into a battle to try and make themselves better. But yeah, in general, I, I like to try and approach things logically. So can I ask about the Anderson thing? Because that felt to me like the inflection point of the entire match. So Boomer is banging in short and short and short. Got a 10 ball over. I once faced a 24 ball. Well, I didn't face it. I actually faced it from the other end of my back turn. A 24 ball over. It was the last over of the match. Southern Railway and Kenley. We'd been batting for 20 overs to play out a draw. And their, their pro just bowled over the line and just bowled a series of bounces. And I just sat at the other end with my back facing the bowler and said, I'm not, I'm not running. <laughs> you know, I, I ain't going to be facing. Daniel's not the you, man you want in your in your corner. No. When the chips are down, you don't oh, want no. more cross, do you? <laughs> oh no, oh no, oh no. The coward came out of me. But I, I I guess I guess you know what I'm trying to say is that when Boomer came in and did that to Anderson, suddenly there was this sort of protective cocoon around Anderson. You can't do that to Anderson, you can't bowl these bouncers at Anderson, you can't keep on doing that. Can't you? It's a test match. He's a number eleven. I mean, everybody lost their rag there. They lost their shit. And it's perfectly reasonable for Boomer to be doing that, isn't it? He was trying to get this guy out. He was trying to make sure that England didn't have any kind of lead. He was. We all know that the way to get Anderson out is actually he gets caught at, at leg gully or short leg or bending away because unsurprisingly, by the way, I'm not having a go at Jimmy Anderson, People don't like 94-mile-per-hour balls being thrust up anywhere near their nose. Not when you're 39 years old. <laughs> and you're 39 <laughs> years old. And yeah, of course. Of course you don't. Of course you don't. And you're but, constantly being let down by the 10 blokes before you. Yeah. You, just want to bowl, so, you just want to bowl your overs now, take your last few wickets of your career, and there he is every, well, every single know, week getting bounced. Yeah, but, but, but the thing is that I'm afraid that's you've got to take that shit. Yeah, I mean, that yeah, is you that is that you're the, you're the number 11, you're playing a test match at Lord, that's what's going to happen. And suddenly it was like, you can't do that to Jimmy Anderson. What, what, like he's what, Mother Teresa or the Queen? You're not allowed to bowl these balls at him. Of course, you're allowed to bowl these balls at him. And then suddenly England got really upset that people had done this to Jimmy Anderson, like he was some precious Fabergé egg, for Christ's sake. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it. it, it I, I genuinely think we all lost our crap at mm. that point. And that is the point at which England didn't quite understand what was going on. And the Indians, they picked a fight and they found a fight. And England needed not to pick that fight. Yeah, I, I agree. I do. England did. They let the emotion get the best of them. And India have been in those situations a lot more in recent years because that's that's how they play. I would say that if Jimmy Anderson overtakes Shane Warne and Muraliferan, then he's way more important than Mother Teresa and the Queen, though. I would <coughs> I would like to point that out. Oh, well, yeah. 
yeah, yeah. I'm not even sure how important Mother Teresa and the Queen are in the general scheme of things. Anyway, I think Vinny's probably more important than either of them. I've but... never, Mother Teresa's <laughs> not taken a single test wicket, and Jimmy Anderson's exactly. taken hundreds. And so you've got to, you know, the math. It's simple math. Um, we and the we, Queen we... doesn't. Queen doesn't even like football. I discovered this from Tommy Cooper. So yeah, that's true. Know. Tommy Cooper yeah. asked her for an FA Cup final ticket because she doesn't like football. Mm. It's very true. Um, so I mean, look, we we can't ignore. It. At the end of the day, though, for all this talk and losing their heads, blah 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 and, you know, Boomer and Shammy and how we should have bowled at them. The facts are that even if you take out the Boomer-Shammy partnership, England didn't even get to the score that India were on overnight going into the fifth day. And so there's no guarantees that even if that partnership hadn't happened, even if we'd rattled through the tail, there's no guarantees that England would have chased that because the batting at the moment is what's letting them down. Burns... You know, I, I think people are getting on Burns' back a bit too much at times. He did get 49 in the first innings. He probably gets one more run and everybody goes, oh, well, he got a 50 in the first innings. He's just he's just a feast or famine. He's all or nothing at the minute for an England team. He's got three hundreds. He's got a few half centuries, but he's got a batting average of 30 in a very short career. He's got five ducks in 12 innings. I mean, he's it's, he's a bizarre, he's a really odd <laughs> odd player at the minute for the England t- test team. And every time he's on the brink of getting dropped, he then goes and he goes and scores some runs. There is another statistic I need to mention here, which blew my mind. 37% of Sibley and Burns partnerships haven't made it past two overs. 37 now, as a batting lineup, that is not sustainable. You cannot be naught for one or naught for two after a couple of overs constantly. Um, surely, um, I'll, I'll come to you in a sec, Norcross, but I've got to ask you, Finney, in terms of when you watch these guys at the minute, at what point is is it the kindest thing to do to say, take somebody out of the team for a bit? You've seen Zach Crawley's you know, been taken out. I just look at Sibley at the minute and I think his head just looks scrambled and it's not the end of his England career. He's young enough to turn it around. But I just look at it at the minute and I just think it's probably better for him. I don't think he's achieved, he's not going to learn too much by going out there and, and, and snicking off for low scores all the time at the minute. No, he seems like a resilient guy. I, I mean, I don't know him loads, but um, have played against him and watched him quite closely, obviously, since he's been playing for England. And, and yeah, he seems like a very resilient guy who has a method that he trusts um, to get him through and score runs. Um, but I think that's up to the people who are closest in the dressing room to decide like if he is a bit burnt out or, or whatever it might be, then um, then pull him out the firing line. But I think the important thing to remember is that I don't think we've got a wealth of people queuing up to, to follow him in behind, to follow these, these guys in behind. And I think that was quite widely accepted when they first came together, I think on the South Africa tour, was it last year where they batted a long time and people and even Chris Silverwood, who's now the head selector, said that they wanted people who could bat like old school test match openers. And there's not many of those guys around the country who can then lay a platform for Root, Stokes, Butler, Pope, Ali, whoever comes in down the order, Bearstow, to play around them. So, and that is their job. So um, I think you have to be accepting that if they want those styles of players, they're, they're probably two of the best out there, aside from someone like Sam Robson, who's who had a crack a few years ago and I think was a bit hard done by to not play again. You know, there's not that many people who play in that manner, which is exactly what England wants at the moment. So, so yeah, I I think if you make the decision on who who's playing and, and whether they're playing, then you have to stick with it. When, when you've not been, you know, bowling your best and, and you always know, I guess, when you're not performing to your maximum level... It, it, 
I was in my very low standard of cricket I've played. If I'm bowling crap, I I almost want to bowl more. I don't want the the captain to take the ball out of my hand because I just want to I want to get into some rhythm. I want to find some form and stuff like that. And I and I'm guessing it probably is a time where actually the best thing you can do is come at the side. What are you like, Finney? When you've had you know spells in your career where you don't feel like you're bowling your best, are you? Do you get dropped from the side and go? Oh, do you know what? Probably probably for the best. Or are you a bit pissed off and just want to be back out there and giving it another go? Oh, well, I think you're accepting, aren't you? No, we're not stupid. I think if you're going out there and you're going around the park a bit or you're not scoring runs, you understand that your performance isn't up to a level. So I think getting angry and, and being emotional about that, being left out when you've not performed is is not something that's worthwhile. But I, I do think there's an element of um, having to work through it. I've always liked and, and enjoyed the challenge of trying to come through the tricky times and and you want to be able to do that in a game ideally because it's very different to bowling in the nets and the feeling that you have bowling in the nets but yeah I think your understanding of the situation in that scenario that that you've not performed up to scratch and then you probably don't deserve your place in the team so uh, yeah I, I'd say we might look stupid sometimes but we're not always as stupid as we seem <laughs> uh, Norcross you were getting very emotional I could see when I, I mentioned Rory Burns one of your Surrey boys what do you make of him you've seen him back probably more than me and Finney have combined and uh, what, what do you make Rory Burns at the minute I will defend him because I, I've seen him score test runs it's just the, the innings in between five ducks in 12 innings which are so frustrating he's, he's the best opener in England by a mile yeah, he, I he agree uh, and, and let, me give you, let me give you some horrible stats here Joe Root has scored 1,277 runs this calendar year. The next highest scorer for England is Rory Burns, 363. So, yes, it looks bad, doesn't it? I mean, he's averaging about 30-odd. You open the batting at the moment in Test cricket around the world. If you can average... 30 to 35, you're doing well anywhere in the world, anywhere in the world. It's not about Duke's balls. It's not about just being in England. It's anywhere in the world. It's it's the toughest place to bat. And there aren't very many opening batters who are getting anywhere near coping with it. Craig Brathwaite got 97. We'll talk about that later. Recently, Tom Latham, Dimuth Karuda-Ratner, maybe. But look at David Warder's travails against Stuart Broad. It is an absolute nightmare opening the batting at the moment. It is the greatest disparity, by the way. And this is a stat that I love. Already, we're in August, and Joe Root is so far away from the second leading run scorer in his own team. He's, he's now 914 runs ahead of the next nearest English run scorer in the team in this calendar year. The, the previous record was Roy Fredericks, 881, behind Viv Richards, who scored 1,700-odd runs in 1976. That is the difference in quality and class that we have between Joe Root and the rest of the England batters. Mm. Now, we can spend all the time in the world we like talking about who should be playing but really, the fact of the matter is that we've got a once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-generation talent in Joe Root. And everyone else is having to deal with the difficulties, the problems of dealing with Duke's balls or 
turning up with a pink ball test at Ahmedabad, and it's an absolute bloody nightmare. Test cricket is not easy for people at the top of the order. So I don't think there's an easy answer. Like Vinny says, who the hell comes in? Mm. Chris Dent? Is is is, is he Daryl Mitchell? Sam Robson. I mean, there are. Sam Robson. Sam Rob. Well, Sam Robson, as you keep saying. Sam Adam Live. There are people who might come into that side, but you're not getting rid of Rory Burns. He's not the problem. No, I he's agree. got test centuries. You know, he batted superbly in the first innings. The problems are Dom Sibley, Zach Crawley. They've gone with three openers at the top of the order, and one of them you will keep. The other two you're struggling with. They got rid of Crawley. What happens next? Does Hamid come and open the batting? But then, let me say to you, in that first innings, you watched the way Sibley and Root batted together. Root loves batting with Sibley. Root loves it when Sibley is in. And once he gets in, by which I mean survives the first five or six overs, we all get incredibly innovative. I mean, some of us are sticking like needles in our eyes and begging for it to stop. But Joe Root is actually loving it because he knows there's someone at the other end who's going to be entirely reliable. So I, I, I genuinely don't know the answer. I don't know what England can do to change that. Well, can I look at it a different way? Because it's very easy to just criticise the guys that have been given a chance very recently. You know, Sibley, Crawley, Lawrence, you name it. Uh, Hamid in this test match obviously struggled. But I watched Johnny Bairstow bat and he got 50 in the first innings. Okay, didn't get many in the second innings. But Johnny Bairstow... When you look at him, you're like, well, he is definitely a better batsman than what we've had in those sort of positions recently. He definitely is. Even though he's had his struggles in Red Bull cricket recently, I watch him and I go, you have definitely got more ability and we've seen it plenty with the white ball, but you are definitely, are you in the top six best batsman in the country? Yes, you are. I look at Moen Ali came back into the team and you watch him play and you go, are you in England's best 11 cricketers in the country? I think, yes, you are. I looked at Rohit Sharma batting in that first innings and I just looked at him and thought this is a guy that's got a, a best of 264 in a one day international this is a bloke who can go absolutely berserk in white ball cricket and he applied himself so well they didn't go anywhere for the first 15 overs of the game he earned the right and then he took 16 off of Sam Curran over and so I look at the likes of Jason Roy Alex Hales Milan Vince I look at them and think, you guys are the ones that should have done better when you actually you had your chance in, against the Red Bull. Whether you're White Bull cricketers, Red Bull cricketers, you are more naturally gifted, I think, than some of the guys that have been given chances recently. And you look at how Sharma manages to find a way of doing both, and the great players at the moment do find a way of doing both, Joe Root, Coley, Williamson. And actually, I think it's a shame that some of those freakishly talented, I mean, Jason Roy's a freak of nature, Alex Hale's a freak of nature. Amalam was recently the best T20 batsman on the planet. And I look at those guys and I just wish that they had been better at Red Bull cricket and that they had done, because they're so talented. And when I see this Indian lineup, I know Pant's not necessarily done it in this series, but it's got a batting average of 42 in test cricket. We recently saw him in Australia. Absolutely incredible. I wish some of our white ball guys had had more appetite maybe for the Red Bull game, or maybe it's the way that the system's all set up at the minute. But I just think, I just looked at, but there's though, Batten, I thought you're definitely better than what we've had in those positions recently. And we do need to move on from Test cricket, but I do want to say one thing that um, Test cricket is so good. And even though it was upsetting <laughs> to see England lose that game, it's so bloody good. And it was the most, you know, the, 
the, everybody talks about test cricket. Why is test cricket the best? Oh, because of the ebbs and flows. This test match was the definition of ebbs and flows. India were walking it after one day, struggling after four and won it after five. Um, but the other test match that took place, West Indies versus Pakistan. I mean, it is genuinely one of the greatest test matches of all time. We may look back in a few years and say it is the greatest test match of all time. An unbelievable nail-biting one-wicket win in Kingston for the West Indies. And uh, Kemar Roach, 30 not out at the end. He was dropped as well late on. Oh, it was all going on. I mean, talk about Edmund Flows. I kept changing my mind on who was going to win that about 15 times. Finney, I've never actually asked you this, and you don't have to say test cricket because I'm sat here eulogising about it, but in your career, have you ever had a favourite format? One that one that you've enjoyed playing the most? Oh, I think the the thing with Test cricket is that the feeling that you have at the end of the game, if you've won it um, after playing for five days and being knackered and bowled yourself into the ground, and you've won the game, um, that feeling of hard work and shared um, achievement and accomplishment over the course of five days is probably the most special feeling in cricket. I think I'm um, not taking anything away from wins in the shorter formats, but it's that feeling of exhaustion on the fifth day of a test match when you win it, that um, that does make it special. So I think I've always held test cricket um, as the pinnacle because it tests you both physically and mentally. Um, but I, I wouldn't say I've had a particular favorite. I think my least favorite is 50 over cricket probably because the days are just so bloody long. <laughs> 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 Take forever, um, take forever to get through the game. So yeah, I, my favourite two types of cricket are Test cricket and T Twenty cricket. I'm not overly fussed about fifty over cricket. Do you know that's very funny because I chatted to my mate yesterday and said to him, "One day international was my least favourite format because it goes on all day and I'm not as fussed about the result as Test cricket. So it's a longer day of cricket for a result I'm not as bothered about. So it's very interesting that you say that. It's, it's, it's fascinating. Sorry, James, it's fascinating you should say that. It's, probably the greatest game of cricket ever played was 50 over World Cup final at law. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> which yes. the one on the super over, which they had no right to win. Uh, and look, I get that. I get that entirely. And watching that West Indies game, watching West Indies against Pakistan, and indeed watching England against India, what Finney's talking about there is the sheer emotion of playing day after day after day that, the fluctuating returns. You go to, you know, you go to bed at night wondering where you are, and you get up in the morning and do it again, and you do it again, and then you do it again, and again, and it 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 must be for the players amazing. We never get the opportunity to do that, that sort of fluctuating emotion in your own head, and that West Indies match against Pakistan was one of the most fantastic games of cricket you will ever, you could ever wish to see, because it was fascinating. Every day, you know, it had the excitement. Every day. You had no idea who was ahead from one minute to the next. When Pakistan were bowled out for 214, I think it was, West Indies had to go out to bat. They were two for two. So who'd won the day, you know? And then West Indies came back. They got 250-odd. And Pakistan went out to bat. They were 65 for four. They were absolutely screwed. Then they got a bit of a partnership together. The, the narrative flow of a test match is so exciting. And for a player, it must be amazing to be a part of that because, you know, you have to, you have to really get your head around 
what you've done that day. Some there'll be some days you'll play test cricket where you do nothing. I mean, I think Rory Burns just sat and did nothing for what was it the third day of the test match? They're the best days. <laughs> they are the they are the, they're apparently the best days <laughs> when when you as an athlete spoken like an elite sportsman does absolutely nothing. <laughs> but but at the end of that game, I mean, you know, we were we were talking. I was working with BT in that game, and that just I was the only time I knew who was going to win was when Pakistan got Jason Holder's wicket, and West Indies needed fifty-five to win from three. With three wickets left, and I knew then that Pakistan had won, and I knew <laughs> something that was entirely wrong because the West Indies won. I mean, yeah, th- this is this is what is so fantastic about Test cricket. You are all over the place from one minute to the next, it's, it's... and your your brain just goes in incredible conditions. Whereas in one day cricket, look, yeah, we absolutely adore it. We love it in twenty over cricket. We absolutely adore it. Love it. We love seeing the balls go here, there and everywhere, but just to have your brain go completely batshit crazy, there's nothing like Test Cricket. It's, it's just such a, the beauty of Test Cricket as well is that it's slow in many ways, but also at times it all happens so quickly. And you talk there mm. about when Jason Holder got out, an absolute seed, by the way, and then the next thing you know, Kemar Roach is, is hitting the winning runs. And it was a bit like that, that hour of play we talked about earlier. Finney, there must have been times in your Test career that you... Because it does kind of pass you by in a weird way sometimes, Test cricket. And there must have been times where you walked off at the end of a session going, what the hell just happened? Like, do you remember a time where just kind of you went, you, the oppo just absolutely just in two hours took, you got, took your bowling attack to the cleaners and you just kind of walk off there going into lunch or tea at the end of the day going, we were in control there. <laughs> what just happened? Yeah, that's one of the great things about Test cricket, I think, for me is that any the game can change and swift and switch in momentum all the time. Um, there's definitely those sessions where you're the batting team and you feel like you're going comfortably and going well. And then all of a sudden there's two or three quick wickets and everyone's scrambling around the dressing room to try and find their pads, their box, their jock strap, everything. Um, and, and yeah, there are definitely periods in games where, um, where it feels like it all happens really quickly, but that's, what the best players and the best teams do is um, is manage to slow those moments down and manage to um, have some degree of clarity in those moments. And I actually think that's what India did really well in this test match. There was quite a few times where bowlers have been on hat-tricks this week as well. It made me think of the scramble for Pads Finney. Have you, you must have faced a few hat-tricks. Have you been involved? Have you been on the receiving end of a hat-trick as well? Have you been wickets one, two or three? Um, yeah, I was one of four for Shaheen Afridi <laughs> last year. At, oh, yeah. um, at the Aegeus Bowl, he took four and four the last four balls of our innings, and it was um, John Simpson got out, and then I got out, then Tilan Walala Wita got out, and then Murta got out in four balls. And he, he's <laughs> never had a better chance of getting the fourth in four with Murta batting. Um, <laughs> so he, he cleaned Long us all up. that day. You were at nine, bloody hell! I know, yeah. So, sorry, know. just 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 be clear. Shaheen Charafridi got John Simpson out, did he? He did, yeah. So, um, I mean, obviously, what 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 did he do to get John Simpson out? Because you famously struggled with John yeah. Simpson, didn't you? Well, yeah, the full, full straight, straight one, straight, that I, yeah. uh, the full Yorker that I bowled to him, the inside edge for four down to short fine leg the other day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you try bowling another one of them? Or um... no, I didn't. I didn't bother with that. 
we've we've got to get into this. I'm sorry, Finn. I one quick thing on the West Indies brilliant uh, Pakistan Test match. If you've not seen the highlights, please go and watch it. Uh, but Jaden Seals, who looks a world beater, five wickets, the youngest West Indian uh, bowler to ever take a five. And let's be honest, there's been some decent bowlers for the West Indies down the years. But he took eight in the match, and it was quite a fitting moment that him and Kemar Roach were there at the end, a sort of passing of the baton. I felt right. The hundred, come on. We've talked enough about this Red Bull cricket. Mm. We've got to get into the hundred and dance already goading you Finney now I was out at the time I didn't see this over that everybody's talking about but your teammate cuddly smiley you know wouldn't hurt a fly John Simpson 71 not out of 28 I mean you know we're friends like that who needs enemies Stephen Finn he uh he he had a bit of fun with you in that over now have you spoken to, to Simo since Oh, uh, no, I actually haven't. I spoke to him after the game, said well played, obviously. And yeah. Did you? Joe, well, just, just well played, not you total and utter bastard. And by the way, <laughs> no, that's when the you get an IPL contract, can I have at least 15% yeah. of it? That's the game, isn't it? You just accept sometimes you're going to get lashed. And unfortunately, that was my moment to get lashed. So it was 29 runs between balls 91 and 95. And uh, there was 51 from 15 balls for neat. There was also some drop catches. You know, let's net, let's not forget drop catches as well. You said Brendan McCullum. You mentioned it once on this podcast before when he got stuck into you. Was was there a few flashbacks to that? Sadly, as life as a fast bowler in the white ball cricket in this day and age, you go on the pitch enough, you are going to have days out like that at some point, aren't you? And sadly, it was it was your turn to be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, I mean, if you bowl up front and at the back end of innings consistently, you're gonna you're gonna get whacked every now and again. Um, it wasn't no, it wasn't McCullum flashbacks. Yeah, I only actually got hit for one six in that over. Um, it was just the the noble, the waist high noble hurt me. I was trying to bowl a wide Yorker to him, but I wanted to miss on the full side and the short side, and and I did miss on the full side by quite a long way. So. Um, yeah, that got edged for four, which then extra ball, free hit, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, um, means that the over gets away from you. But it's amazing how in the hundred that the, the st- stuff does seem to happen way quicker than normal cricket. Probably doesn't look like it from the outside, but when you're out there, because you've got the time pressures and the time constraints on you, you feel like if early on in an over someone gets after you, that that you're then under the pump to rush through the rest of your over to make sure that you make the time so the extra fielder doesn't have to come up. So you find yourself actually just rushing through your over as opposed to taking a deep breath and and having a clear, concise plan. And, and then, yeah, in that over, I did have a plan. I just, there were two balls that I didn't execute as I wanted. And then the rest, he guessed what I was going to bowl and, and whacked it. So, yeah, one of those things, unfortunately. I was on commentary for it, and it was one of the most brutal and unfair things I've ever seen in my life, to be honest with you. Because <laughs> it, it, no, it, it really was. I, I'm going to be, I'm going to be kind to Finney, which I don't normally do on this podcast, but it shouldn't have happened like that. I mean, everything that could go wrong went wrong. It was just abysmal and unfair. And you've got to put this in context. We were, we were watching what the 100 would like to have as an idea of a, of a Roses derby. There's a Northern Superchargers against the Manchester Originals. And Finney and Simo were playing, Middlesex players, were playing on opposite sides. The crowd was febrile. They had gone absolutely mad. It was the most extraordinary atmosphere 
I don't know, Billy, if you felt that, but yeah, yeah, it was electric out there. It was so loud. It was incredible, wasn't it? It was absolutely incredible. It was coming through my cans. It was just the most extraordinary thing. And they were going for those. The shirts were off and fingers were being wagged. And when Tom and Lamanby dropped the sky, that he then punched over the over the boundary for four. <laughs> it was like everything that could possibly go wrong could go wrong. And in fairness to Billy, he 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 showed a great phlegmatism in the teeth of the most horrible situation. But at the same time, I've got to give it to Simo. I mean, what a year that man is having. I mean, when he started this year, did he think for a minute he would be playing for England and play three one-day internationals and win all three and actually score some runs in them? Did he think that he was going to be getting 100 contracts and smashing 71 off 28 balls uh, uh, headingly in what is effectively a Roses derby? No. I mean, let's let's just forget Finney for a minute, lovely as you are, darling. But Jesus Christ, what a fucking year Simo is having. And I know it must be quite difficult for you in these circumstances to say hats off, but bloody hell. I mean, is that, isn't that one of the wonderful things about the 100? It really is, but he got that moment in the sun, albeit at your expense. But he's in his 30s. He could easily have played for England in any other era. And now he's doing something as insane as that. As you said to me the other day on WhatsApp, you, you'll probably get an IPL contract off the back of that. And, and good luck to him. Yeah, I'll be taking a few percent of it as well. <laughs> so too. <laughs> no, I love, I love Simo. And do you know what doesn't help as well, I think, is the fact that we um, we bowl and bat against each other all the time in the nets. And we practice those scenarios against each other where, look, where you say, right, this is the last five balls or last over of a game. And you try and execute plans and you come round the wicket and try and bowl wide Yorkers. So... He, he knows what you're going to try and do as well, so which doesn't help um, your scenario or your situation as a bowler there where you're trying to do it bowling up the hill with him hitting towards the Western Terrace, yeah. But, it, you know, it, it happens in cricket. I think one of the great things about T20 cricket or what the good T20 players do or 100-ball players do is you just write it off and move on to the next one and, and that's, you know, that's literally what you have to do. Well, I do keep um, I do keep uh, sliding into Simo's DMs and uh, keep telling him that um, imagine how far some of those sixes would go if he had a Woodstock bat, and uh, he, he has it. He has it. <laughs> he I'll has tell it you what, I to... hit a couple. Um, I hit a couple of nice shots that game. Actually, actually, actually this is really what did. I wanted to mention I, I, because I, I, the commentators yeah. picked up on they, Finney hit a couple of glorious fours, and the commentators said. Finney has got an, a really good bat. Did you hear the sound it made? What a bat that is. The incredible Woodstock, Finney. Finally, we, you know, we give you this nice bit of equipment and every week you're playing and missing everything. And finally, oh, so we, found the middle, we found the middle of it, mate. We found it. It's there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, what, I would, what I would say is if you actually, I, I'm going to put it out there now because frankly, you've got nowhere near our challenge of six sixes in the entire season. <laughs> but if you get a six in a hundred game, I'm prepared to times it by two. So well, well, unfortunately, I won't be playing a hundred game until next year. Now, hopefully, 
Um, oh. Yeah, we've played all our group games and we're out of the tournament. So, yeah, unless... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. in that case, I'll give you 10 sixes if you hit one. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we, we will finish on that note, but uh, it was nice to finish on Finney's uh, couple of fours rather, rather than the over against Simo. Um, I do want to finish on one final note, and that is the incredible cricketer, but most importantly, the incredible man that is Rashid Khan who after all the stuff in the news this week that's been going on in Afghanistan and our thoughts go out to everybody being affected by that at the moment, he is very honest and very upfront and very vocal about what's going back on, back on in his home country. And he's got family over there that he's said that he's worried about and he's scared about everything that's going on there at the moment. And uh, for him to, to come into a game like that and bowl the way that he did was just a marker, first of all, the fact that he's a bloody good cricketer but he's also a very, very impressive young man as well. So um, an absolute superstar, as he should be in Afghanistan and around the world, you know, an IPL star as well. Uh, but I thought it's nice to finish on him, who's just been just absolutely incredibly good on and off the pitch over the last few weeks. So yeah, Rashid Khan, what a man. So test cricket is really good. It's not going great for him at the minute. Next week, and uh, very quickly, Bumble, David Lloyd, national treasure, had a pop at our own national treasure, Daniel Norcross. And... Uh, we're going to try and get Bumble on the podcast next week and explain what this is all about. Uh, so something to look forward to next week. Um, Finney, Daniel, lovely to see you both. Have a good one, chaps. People, see ya. it's been a joy. Good night. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.